0: All right, welcome back to the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. I am sitting out in my cottage today, the one that is just in front of our house, the one that we painted blue over last summer. Today I wanted to talk about easy swaps to make in your kitchen. My name is Lisa, mom of six and creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone. Join me as I share with you my love for creating a handmade home from scratch cooking and a little mom and entrepreneur life along the way. So if you're just getting started with trying to eat a little bit more naturally, a little bit healthier, A lot of it can seem really overwhelming and sometimes you just want to throw in the towel, but there truly are a few things that you can either make from scratch or just some ingredients that you can swap out that make all the difference but you won't really notice as far as taste goes. Some things that are just easy swaps, great places to start. So first I'm going to talk about four things that are easier to make from scratch. So just things that you might be buying from the store that are not hard to incorporate from scratch. And then I'm going to talk about four easy swaps for regular ingredients that you might be using all the time that even if you are cooking from scratch, you might not actually be getting the health benefits of cooking from scratch if you are using the same ingredients that the processed from the store ingredients might be. So sometimes I see this happening where people start making their food at home, but when they do, they don't really use higher quality ingredients, so they don't end up with something a lot healthier, but instead just a lot of time spent, and that's what we want to avoid doing, wasting that kind of time. Okay, the first thing to make A great place to start is by making your own homemade bone broth. I know that whenever I first started cooking, whenever I would make a soup or anything that called for broth, like maybe a chicken pot pie or rice recipes sometimes call for broth. I like to cook my rice in broth. I would go to the store and buy organic broth and just pick it up off the shelf and easy peasy done. But there's not actually any health benefits, or at least not nearly as many health benefits in doing it that way as when you take bones, add water to them, and cook them long and slow or in the Instant Pot and make your own homemade bone broth. So it's really easy actually. So with the Instant Pot method, you add bones to an Instant Pot, cover it with filtered water, allow it to sit, add a little bit of apple cider vinegar and allow it to sit for about 10-15 minutes. This step is actually optional. I do it when I have time, but most of the time I just simply don't. And then cook it on low pressure for about 360 minutes, so with that I usually have to run the cycle a few times because mine doesn't go up that high. But that's it. And then you just strain it off. So put it through a strainer, I just use like a pasta strainer over a big pot, pour it through. A lot of times I go straight into soup making that night, sometimes I put it in jars and refrigerate it for later date, so later in the week or something. But the most the hardest part of making your own homemade bone broth is acquiring the bones. But if you are starting to cook from scratch, so you're making a whole chicken or you're getting cuts of beef that aren't just the ground or you're ordering from a local farm and you can request the bones from the butcher whenever you get half a pig or half a cow or something, you can get bones. I normally use chicken. So we order whole chickens from a local farm and I just always use chicken bones to make broth so that we always have at least about a half a gallon a week or more. Now if you're doing a protocol like the GAPS diet, which you can reference back on the podcast, I did an episode with my sister talking about the GAPS diet, but you need a lot more bone broth. But if you're just using normal amounts like cooking your rice in it. So for example, today I made a pork risotto and this is just my favorite way to use pork chops. So we sear pork chops, cut them up into really small bites so that the kids can all eat them, put it back in a pan with butter and salt until it's cooked through and then set aside and then in a separate bowl or a separate pot I add butter and rice, saute the rice a bit, add double the amount of broth than rice and then just allow it to simmer with the lid on for a while toss it all together, add a little parmesan cheese, and that's a really good way to use bone broth, especially in the summer if you don't eat a whole lot of soups. But of course right now, and in the winter, in the fall, lots of chili, lots of potato soup, hamburger soup is one of our favorites. Oh man, so many different kinds of soup. I love making soup, like an enchilada soup. I have several soup recipes over on the blog, and bone broth, obviously you need for that. So that is one really easy thing to swap out in your kitchen. Cover bones with water and cook them is essentially all you have to do and strain them off. Now you can add herbs and celery and carrot peels and leftover bits from cutting up onions and things like that and that does flavor it a little bit more but you can skip that as well. Alright the next one that is easy to make from scratch and gives you a big nutritional bang for your buck is bread. Now, I know you're probably thinking bread, that's the last thing that I would call easy, but there are bread-like things that are much less complicated. So I do love making bread, I have my system down, and because of that it's actually really easy because I've done it so many times. It's not complicated, I know the timing, it's easy. But before it is easy, there are easier ways to make bread products. So for example, English muffins. They essentially cook up like pancakes. You put them on a skillet that's preheated, allow them to cook slowly, rise a little bit, flip them, and you get what could be bread for sandwiches or for breakfast really easily. Really no rising involved. Um, It's pretty quick. We do an overnight soak for them, but bread-like products. Even something like tortillas could fall in this category. And when I go into my next section about what ingredients to swap out to really get the most nutritional benefits, flour is one of them. Whenever you are eating bleached, enriched flour, a quick way to improve your nutrition is by swapping out grains like einkorn or whole grain flour and making your own bread products really allows you to do that. So I do recommend that if you're brand new to making bread, try first English muffins. You can make them with yeast or sourdough, of course I recommend sourdough. And another thing to try before, if you're really intimidated by this, so if you're really intimidated by trying sourdough starter, which I encourage you not to be, but I started by making my own bread without sourdough starter and then transitioned into it. So if that's where you want to start, Maybe try making my einkorn sandwich loaf. It is a quick recipe, it does not have sourdough, it has yeast packets, that would be a good way to get your feet wet, understanding the process of making bread and then maybe later you could transition more into something like sourdough. On the same bread note, I love making bagels, those are my brand new obsession. I've been making them every Friday now for a couple months, it's been my tradition. That is another great bread product to make. So it doesn't always just mean sliced bread. You can definitely make things that sub out as bread. So when I make bagels, we use that to make like deli meat sandwiches and things like that. And so that kind of recipe is also another sort of easier place to start because it doesn't really require any kneading or understanding the bread process as much. The third thing on my list is Salad dressings and mayo. This will be applicable in the spring and summer, at least for us. We like to do a lot more salads and sandwiches. I've gone lots of summers where every day for lunch we just make sourdough English muffins and then we add veggies and meat and cheese and some mayo to those sourdough English muffins and we have a quick lunch because we're outside, I'm not inside cooking all day. I just try to be in the kitchen as little as possible Whereas in the fall and winter, I feel like I'm in the kitchen all day and I actually kind of like it. It's warm. I can put my hand to something. There's not really a whole lot going on outside. Right now, it's just raining and nasty and that's pretty much how it is from about October through March. You get some nice days in there, but for the most part, there's a lot of days where you're spending a lot of time indoors, which is great. I can send the kids out, but me personally, in the summer, I want to be out. I don't want to be inside. And so having quick and easy condiments like mayo, quick breads, and homemade salad dressings, you can have a healthy meal while spending most of your time outside. So mayo is super, super easy. If you've been intimidated by this, don't be. I was for so long. And it is just so simple. Now one thing that you have to have for making homemade mayo is an immersion blender. I've seen people try the other way and end up with a runny mess. So what you want is a tall mason jar. I have the, what size would those be? Wide mouth pint, I believe. Maybe they're maybe they're more than that, but they're not quite a quart either. So it's basically tall so that the eggs can rest below the oil and I can blend the eggs with the immersion blender before pulling it up and incorporating the oil. I do have a video on this if you have not seen me make it, but it really is so simple. So add to the to the jar one egg, two teaspoons of lemon juice, a half a teaspoon of mustard, a half a teaspoon of salt, and a cup of avocado oil on top of all of that. No stirring yet, but just make sure the oil is on top of all the other ingredients Add an immersion blender to the bottom, blend up the bottom, get the egg yolks really blended, and then slowly pull the immersion blender up to incorporate the oil and you will get that beautiful mayo consistency. Now you can use olive oil. I've never tried coconut oil but I'm assuming if it's the fractionated it would probably work. I'm not totally sure. Avocado oil is where I have the best success and I like the taste the most because with the uh, olive oil the taste is really strong. You can Definitely taste the olive oil. So it's my favorite way to make it. It was revolutionary in our kitchen because I do like mayo. We just hardly ever have it because the healthy ones are super expensive and then the non-healthy ones have GMO oils and just all kinds of things that I don't want. And so this is a really good way also to have a base for making homemade dressings. So soon greens are going to be available. Actually they probably are right now. We didn't get ours in before all the rain came, so we don't have greens but I imagine if I go to the farmer's market I can get lots of greens and the best way to dress them is with a homemade dressing and mayo makes a really good base. So I like to take I believe it's about equal parts mayo and honey and then a little less than an equal part of mustard. I should probably double check because I do have this somewhere on my blog but I never measure. I just add mayo, honey, mustard, and a little bit of salt and I make a honey mustard. You can blend it to get it really incorporated and it makes a delicious honey mustard. I also have on the blog some recipes for ranch, but mayo or homemade kefir or yogurt make really good basis for that. Most dressings, unless they're super expensive and very perishable in the refrigerated section are quite filled with bad ingredients. So swapping out those condiments is a great place to start. Now something like ketchup. I can find a really cheap organic ketchup and the recipe for making it is complicated. I've done it, but the problem is I never make it in time and so then I always have hot ketchup whenever we're ready to eat something that needs ketchup, which is disgusting. And so ketchup is something that I personally don't find worth it. Yes, I know you can make it. I know it's easy-ish. But I'm talking about easy, really easy swaps. And something like mayo and, and dressings are just that. You could make them right before you're about to have your meal. And it's just almost as quick as just whipping up anything. It's not complicated. Whereas something like ketchup, I would not call that an easy swap. So I could just keep buying my organic ketchup. All right. The fourth homemade item on this list is... Yogurt or kefir? This is another instance where the Instant Pot comes in handy for the from scratch cook. There's a yogurt setting, which is amazing. I tried making yogurt many years before I owned the Instant Pot, and I tried to wrap things up in towels and put it in a crock pot, and I never had consistent results. The Instant Pot, you just put milk in, add your starter, essentially. There's a little bit more to it. And allow it to ferment for as long as you want on the yogurt setting. Super simple. Now, I don't make yogurt that often and the reason is I make kefir and kefir is even easier. As easy as yogurt is, kefir is more so. You just take a starter, so kefir grains, add it to milk and let it sit on your counter and then strain it off. It's kind of like bone broth. Liquid plus the thing, so bones or kefir in this instance, strain. I'm always straining things off. Fine, I'm doing that probably daily in my kitchen. So having that fermented dairy is another really easy place to swap. So whether you're doing yogurt or kefir, try your hand at it. I think you'll find that it's a really easy homemade swap to make. Alright the next category I'm going to talk about is staples that you can swap out if you're a from-scratch cook that really make a nutritional difference. So the first one is fats. I see people cooking from scratch and then pouring in something like canola oil. It is just as easy to use a a high-quality healthy fat. So canola is one of the GMO ingredients. There aren't very many GMOs available at this time, or at least last time I researched it. There was sugar beets, corn, soy, canola and there might be more that I'm missing, but those are the main ones. And canola is just a terrible oil to incorporate in your kitchen. So personally, I buy large quantities of coconut oil. It's what I use for most things. I also use organic butter quite a bit, and then I render some animal fat, as well as olive oil in cold applications like dressings, and then avocado oil, mostly just for the mayo. But making those swaps with fat is a place where you won't notice the difference so much in your cooking, you won't notice the taste, your family won't complain, I mean if you're getting extra virgin coconut oil it has a coconut taste, but if you even get, um, I I get a kind that has, uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's still a high quality fat but doesn't have as much of the coconut flavor even though we don't personally mind it all that much. But it is just, it is a swap that is easy to make that your family won't really notice, but it will make all the difference in your health. And you can experiment, try try an avocado oil, try uh, just any high quality oil, or by using organic butter, things like that. But find a way away from the canola. The next one is flowers so making things like we already talked about bread homemade biscuits tortillas is a great swap to make in your kitchen but make sure you're getting high quality flour so there's a few things you can do one is you could get a grain mill and you could buy bulk berries like wheat berries i get mine from either azure standard or mock mill or country life natural foods those are all great sources Another is you could order einkorn, which is an ancient grain. It has, I've talked extensively about einkorn on this podcast and on my blog, so you could search that, but it has a lot of health benefits for people who can't tolerate the modern gluten. Another you could use to swap out for traditional flour is kamut. I've been using that a lot lately, I talked about that in episode 88, I believe, no, 87, yes and how you can swap out regular flour for kamut, spelt is another good one, but find a way to change your flours so that you aren't constantly just having bleached flour. In some instances, it's actually a really easy swap to make. So maybe making your own homemade bread is a little bit of a leap, maybe not the easiest thing on this list like some of the others, But what about whenever you are thickening a soup or making even a baked good like brownies? You could easily sub out einkorn for that and nobody would even notice the difference. Now, bread, yes, it has a little bit of a different flavor with einkorn. But some of those other instances where you're just adding a little flour here and there or like quick things like biscuits, nobody's gonna notice and it'll make a big difference. Another one is salt. This one is so easy. It just comes down to sourcing your salt in a little bit of a different way. So instead of buying processed, mineral-free, <laughs> iodized salt from the store, you can source a Himalayan pink salt or a Celtic gray salt and get all of the minerals that go with that. And it's just so simple. And if you're cooking from scratch, you'll use a lot of salt. I go through so much salt I know before I really started cooking from scratch, you don't go through a whole lot of salt. People just fill up those little salt shakers. Those don't suffice. I have a whole, like, it's almost like, what do they used to call those antique things? People used to have, like, a bucket of salt sitting by their stove. That's how I have now. I have a glass jar about this size. I hardly ever sprinkle salt because I just would be doing it for way too long. I'm reaching my hand in and getting you know, handfuls of salt because I'm cooking things completely from scratch, vegetables from scratch, broths from scratch. There is no salt in any of the ingredients that are going in. And so you're using a lot of salt. And so the way to make that redeemable, to make it to where this is so much better now than what you were eating before when you weren't when you were buying things that already had salt in them, is by using a quality salt, and it's really not a hard swap to make. And the last thing on my list, I talk about this, I just, way too much, you guys are probably sick of it, but quality meats. The base of every meal, at least unless you're a vegan or a vegetarian, obviously, but the base for us is the meat. So I usually plan the meat portion of the meal, and then I build out a whole lot of sides around it, but we go through a lot, it's a protein rich, healthy thing to eat, assuming that you have a high quality source. And I found that there are options in almost every area, it just takes a little bit of digging. I talked a little bit about this in episode 19 of the podcast and episode 39. Um, episode 39 is where I talked about how to eat like you live on a farm even if you don't and why you should. I talk about sourcing, things like that, so. all right, that is my list. I do want to say thank you because should in a few days, or at least shortly after publishing this, hit a million plays, which I am so excited about. I never dreamed that when I started this podcast a little bit over a year ago, I would reach a million. And so thank you so much, all of you, for following along. I know there's been times where I've shared a lot more, times where I've shared a lot less and you know moments where I go through inspiration for this podcast and then moments that are a little bit more difficult to come up with content ideas and so your feedback means a lot to me, your reviews mean a lot to me, and I'm just thankful for the growth that we've seen on this podcast already. Also I was gonna give you a little bit of update on some of the projects we're working on around our farm because we've been working on quite a bit. One is we are starting on the bathrooms. I've had a few different people out here to look at the bathrooms. It's really hard right now in my area. I don't know if it's like this where you are, but everybody is so busy. So finding contractors, everybody is like six months out. So we're going to see if we're going to be able to get anybody to work on it. If not, Luke and I will just do the work. We can do the work. It's just we have so many other things we want to work on that it doesn't really seem like something that we want to stop and do. So we'll see, but we are working on the bathrooms. Another thing is I just ordered for the front of the house. I posted about this on my Instagram, but the side porch of our house has corbels and what some people call gingerbread trim. It's also referred to as running trim. It has these spindles. Well, I've been wanting to mimic that exact look on our front porch ever since having my friend, Sarah Jo, out here last summer. So she came by and she was looking at our house. You know, I've been to her house too, and we just both love historic places. And she was saying how she believes that the front of the house would have had the exact same trim as the side of the house. It just at some point got removed. So I've been thinking about that for a while and I finally found a wood-turning company that is going to make the spindles and the corbels and Luke and I are going to have to install the spindles between running trim. But we're excited to do that restoration project. Another thing we've, another thing that we are doing is adding a new screen door to this cottage, which doesn't seem like a big thing, but I had to order a certain size and I wanted it to look Victorian. So again, I had to find a woodworker for this. These are the kind of things that when you live in an old house, you start to notice the little details that really make it stand apart. And when doing any kind of renovation, taking that extra time to add those back in does make a difference. So that's why I'm spending all this time sourcing spindles and screen doors. So that'll be upcoming. We are still working on the fencing, again with the contractor thing. Our fencing people haven't been here for like two months. So hopefully when the rains all stop, we'll get that popped up and get our cow June back here. She is still living at my friend Stephanie's and I'm really excited to get the goats clearing the backwoods. That is my, one of my biggest goals with getting the fencing is allowing the goats to be on the property where we have so much brush that we can't do anything and I've heard goats are really good at that. So once the green things start popping back on here for spring The goats are hopefully going to be all ready to eat it and we will be able to use our back hill because right now in the summer it's so overgrown it's not even usable and the easiest way to clear it hopefully is the goats. So those are the things we're working on at the moment. I will update you all as we get more of them done. Alright, well thank you so much for following along and I will see you in the next episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life Podcast.